Greetings everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. Today we have a special guest. His name is Jabari Lee. And the topic of today is how to integrate plants into our lifestyle. Again, the topic of today is how to integrate plants into our lifestyles. Um, Plants are very essential. They are necessary. We absolutely need the plants in the trees. We need them for food. We need them for shade. We need them for medicine. We need them for substance. They contribute a very important element in the ecology of things. So today we're going to be talking to Jabari and he's going to give us more information on how to incorporate plants into our lives. Good evening, Jabari. How are you today? Good evening, Tika. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I am so happy that you are here to join us at Ujima Spirit Podcast. Give us a little information about you. So a little background information about me. Um, I graduated from uh, Florida Gulf Coast University with um, a degree in, or two degrees, one in civil engineering and one in environmental engineering. But overall, I've always had a passion for plants and gardening and the, the environment. And the reason I got into engineering is because um, at a young age, because of the influence of uh, my mother and then also um, a mentor I had during an internship in high school, I got a chance to just understand um, how important plants are, um, how they, the, the different uses and just how powerful they, they can be when you integrate them into your life <clears throat> and use them to improve the landscape. So I love helping people. I'm passionate about plants. and That's kind of why I went into uh, engineering. All right. That sounds very interesting. So do you have a lot of experience in dealing with plants and handling plants, not on a professional level as an engineer, but personally, do you beautify yards? Do you plant trees? Do you, you know, have a herb garden? I mean, tell us a little bit more about that side of your passion. Okay. So, yeah, so I've been just growing plants ever since I was a child, but mainly um, what I really learned or realized that I had a passion for it was in um, high school, late high school, um, after I did an internship with a nonprofit organization uh, where they taught us about the importance of native plants. So that was in probably my junior year or beginning of senior year of high school. So once I learned the importance of native plants and how they're important for um, providing food and shelter and habitat for different uh, animals, birds, and insects, and they're really just the foundation of pretty much, they're a key, key component of every ecosystem, our terrestrial ecosystem. Then from there, I just, I started uh, growing native plants. I started with uh, planting a butterfly garden at my mother's house. Um, and even when I went away to school, I would uh, grow plants in my dorm. And anytime I came back to visit home, I would you know, add to the garden slowly over time. And then after graduating, um, I continued to you know, maintain and add to the garden at my mother's house. And then from there, I 
started a garden at a friend of mine's house, and uh, and then now I have a garden uh, where I currently live. And then also when I was in school, I was um, a service learning coordinator uh, for the community garden we had on campus. So and then I'm also been involved in um, different. Uh, uh, plant-related societies, or, or professional societies. One is the Florida Native Plant Society. Um, another is the Ecological Society of America and the Society for Ecological Restoration. So those, those that's some of my background. Okay, plants. that's pretty and For the most expensive. part, I specialize in um, Florida Native plants, but also different perennial and annual subtropical um, plant species. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that information with us. All right. So let's get into the meat of this. Why do you think that most people in our current society don't really pay attention to plants in terms of having the plants be part of their lives in terms of, you know, specifically addressing the plants for a particular purpose instead of just overlooking the plants. Why do you think that people don't have interest in, in integrating plants into their lives? Do you, the other question, the other part of the question I should say, do you think people know the value of plants in the society? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I think there's, there there's a lot of different ways or a lot of different components that go into answering that. I'm just kind of starting off from like a bigger picture, um, general response. I would say that a lot of people aren't, they don't really have that close on uh, that uh, deeper understanding of plants and their significance. And they haven't really incorporated them in their lives or integrated them in their lives. Uh, mainly because just, um, you know, most people grow up in the city um, most people grow up, you know, going to public school where you may get a little bit of exposure to it, but it's not something that's really taught and you don't really see it. You don't see it. Most people grow up not seeing, um, their close loved ones really having certain, you know, interacting with plants and utilizing them on a regular basis. Um, so I, I think that, that plays the biggest part that plays a large part, um, in my experience and of course you know it goes deeper to you know based on kind of like how societies our society is structured in terms of you know how how our relationship to the environment and, and plants are and for the most part it's it's been more of like we've our society has viewed plants and the environment as kind of a an inanimate inanimate objects to be or resources to be use that will to for us to extract extract or take from them for our purpose whatever purpose we want so it's kind of like um, a one-way or um, uh, imbalanced relationship so I would, I, would, I, I know that's a very broad and general answer but I would say that's probably the best way to answer it, answer it in the limited amount of time we have okay that's that's a pretty good answer because basically what you're saying is that because we no longer live in a agricultural society where you have people who live on a farm and uh, they grow up around raising crops and animals and plants and because we're no longer in that environment now we're more in the urban setting the suburban setting we're away from that life 
sort of like out of sight, you know, out of mind, so to speak, since we're not being educated by the school system or we're not being, you know, informed by community organizations about the value of plants, the importance of plants in our lives. So we, we, like you just said, we sort of like dismiss it. Like it is what it is, you know, they exist and we know that we need them, but we haven't developed a personal relationship with plants, you know, in terms of incorporating them in our daily lives and how we could benefit from them. So I think that's definitely, uh, you know, a very good point that you made that the lack of education, the lack of contact, the lack of connection with the environment, sort of like it kind of detach us. Is that some of the things that I hear you saying that we're kind of detached, you know, from the environment, from the natural, you know, uh, uh, um, atmosphere, so to speak? Yeah, that's, that's a good way to summarize it. I would say from what I've seen over the past probably five or 10 years, um, now, you know, people are, are becoming more aware. Um, at least mainstream society is more, it's, it's, you're seeing plants and people having plants and incorporating plants in their lives in, in, in mainstream, mainstream society more and more, especially as people um, become more aware of, you know, the, they want to have a healthier lifestyle usually starts with wanting to start uh, eating healthier and then they for either for cost reasons or for wanting to get the healthiest food possible they decide to try to grow some of their own food and then, and then that's how most people are kind of introduced to plants um, and start to come interested in it I'm not really much on social media but I know that there's a lot of information out there I use um, YouTube um, and a, a lot of different uh, online resources to find information about plants. And just on YouTube alone, I've seen a, a lot more videos coming out in the, the, the past few years about you know how to grow different plants and um, just how to integrate them in, into your life, life in uh, different ways. All right. Another question: um, Do you think is also <clears throat> an issue of time? And not just of interest that people may not have necessarily interest in plants, but people assume that in order for them to deal with plants or garden or raise plants, they think that they really have to have the time and they have to have the knowledge and awareness of these plants. So do you think the, the, the lack of time and the lack of knowledge of how to deal with the plants kind of dissuade or kind of uh, turn people off from you know, buying plants or incorporating plants into their lifestyle? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Uh, I would say it, it really doesn't take that much time or energy to, to grow a plant because they're, you know, they're a living organism. And for the most part, you're, you're not really, you're just giving them the conditions they need to survive. So it's, it's not as time intensive or, or hard as people think. Um, I would encourage people to just start off with something small. Just start off with one small plant that you know they that they know that they'll that is either they'll use if it's some type of edible plant, or if they you know a plant maybe they they really like the way it looks. Just start off in some small way and you know slowly learn about it and and slowly build from there. There's a lot of um, plants that can be grown indoors or outdoors that are very low maintenance that were, you know, where people can get started. Okay. <clears throat> Cause I know personally, 
I don't have a green thumb because um, I've spent hundreds of dollars purchasing plants, household plants in particular, and uh, it was definitely a task trying to keep them alive. I guess because I didn't know how much water to, to, to give them and when to put them out to get sunlight and how to control the temperature inside my home. So I think all those factors probably played a role or it was just me not having a green thumb. How many people do you think are like me who assume that because they don't have a green thumb and they really don't know how to take care of the plants, even though they buy them, you know, it, it doesn't seem to grow for them. So what would you say for a person like me who don't seem to have a green thumb? I would say don't don't be discouraged. Um, and definitely, like I just mentioned, start off small. You know, start off with, you know, the smallest plant that you can get. And, you know, when you, you, when you start off with one plant as opposed to getting a bunch at one time, you, you can... You, it's easier for you to spend, you know, maybe five minutes a week learning about that plant, either online or watching a YouTube video where they go over everything you need to know about how have, how to take care of that plant. Then it's easier to to do that than to, you know, buy a bunch and start off and then try to take care of them all at one time. And a lot of people assume that, you know, with you know, you have to have some type of green thumb to keep plants alive. Even people who have been gardening and growing things for years, they they still they still accidentally kill plants or you know aren't able to keep certain plants alive. And it's just about you know just taking it as a learning experience and just paying attention and being willing to learn from your mistakes and just keep trying. And I think anything if you set up some some if you want to try something new, do it in a way that's that's fun and or meaningful to you. So if it's something that's fun or meaningful, then you're more likely to stick with it over the long term and to you know, not be too hard on yourself. Okay. You mentioned something earlier <clears throat> as far as uh, within the past, say, about 10 to 15 years that uh, you've noticed you didn't give those numbers. I'm the one who's saying 10 to 15 years because I've noticed that that there's been a movement to incorporate plants into our lives in terms uh, on social media, you know, on uh, television programming, you're noticing more plants, they're referencing plants, and uh, plants are more visible. Do you think there's a movement? Can you just give us a little bit more information about this movement within the past 10 to 15 years where we see people are more educated on plants or or are drawn more to plants or incorporating plants more into their lives. Just give us a little bit more information about that. Okay. Um, there's, so yes, yeah, so that's, that's kind of been happening. Um, in, mul- in multiple, on multiple levels or, you know, in multiple ways. So, um, from let's say, uh, city planning, um, or urban design perspective, uh, there's been research that's been done over you know a number of years that shows that you know communities that have more green spaces, so spaces like parks, um, places with plants, those communities are have you know higher property values. The people that live in those communities have a higher quality of life. So it's been you know there's been studies done on you know at universities and by different organizations that show that having that when people have uh, easy access to you know plants in their environment and 
it, 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 it has like a, a positive impact on their health in multiple ways. So I think that's contributed to part of it. And there's different organizations um, that have been responsible for that. I think like Tree, Tree USA and um, just other, you know, a lot of nonprofits, um, a lot of uh, universities. I can't think of like all of the, the names off the top of my head. Uh, and then on um, kind of like an individual level, um, people have, like I said before, they have been, you know, they're learning more about, you know, how eating, you know, vegetable, um, a, a plant-based diet or a diet that's high in plant-based foods has a lot of health benefits. So from there, that the next step is they learn, you know, they tr- either try to grow food or from learning about how their food is grown and how to get healthy food, they learn the importance of, you know, um, having plants in their environment and then they start to try to grow plants themselves. And there's different organizations and, and different, um, yeah, diff- different organizations and different entities that um, have created different uh, methods of growing plants that are very easy. Like uh, one one method is um, by applying permaculture. So permaculture is, I think it was created in the 70s or late 60s or some somewhere around that time. And it's basically just um, a, 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 some, the creator took kind of like, he interacted with just different indigenous cultures and saw how they, how they interacted with the environment and the, how they took care of um, different plants. And then he, he saw, you know, it's, he, he, looked, he took the lessons that we learned from the, I guess the more Western scientific study of plants. And he kind of combined those two to create this uh, methodology or paradigm of how to interact or how to create or or how to work with plants in a sustainable way. So that's kind of what permaculture is. So through movements like that, that's kind of increased the awareness of um, the benefits of plants and also that they can be grown in a way that's healthy and that's that doesn't require that much time and energy, at least overall but it does require a bit more time in the beginning of learning about the plants and yeah, just setting it up correctly. Okay. Now let's get into the benefits. Okay. What are the personal benefits? Cause you mentioned a little earlier that uh, certain studies reveal that people who beautify their environment with plants and have plants around them, you know, they tend to be more, Progressive, or they tend to be more healthier. All right, uh, give us some of the the, the 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 beneficial aspect of incorporating plants into our lives on a personal level first, and then we'll take more of a community level. Then we'll go to the societal level. But on a personal level, for example, if I had plants in my room and I'm always around plants, what are the personal benefits that I as an individual can gain by just having plants around me and not just having them on the outside, but having them inside my home or around my yard? Also on a personal level, um, having just plants in your immediate environment. So that's in your room or outside your window in your landscape. Um, they've they've done different studies, and I, I don't have the, the exact um, names of those studies, but I've, I've read different books where they've done studies that show that people are like being in interacting with plants or being in spaces with plants, you know, has different um, kind of like positive benefits on people's 
physical and mental health. Like it helps people calm down. It, it helps people. Um, so yeah, they calm down, so it's easier to focus. Um, have kind of like, I would say like, I don't want to say a specific um, type of health benefit because I don't remember it off the off the top of my head, and I don't want to, you know, give out wrong information. But that's that's those are that's kind of like a summary of how it would it have a summary of the positive impacts it would have on a personal level. So it's not just in terms of mental and emotional, it could also be physically beneficial to have plants around in terms of, you know, they're giving off, because what are they giving off, carbon monoxide? No, no, um, plants are giving off oxygen. Oh yeah, they give oxygen and we give off carbon monoxide. Oh yeah, carbon dioxide. Yeah. So just to have, uh, you know, fresh oxygen, (laughs) you know, in your room, in your space, you know, I mean, like you said, it's not just psychologically beneficial, but it's also physical, physiologically beneficial. Am I correct? Yeah, I believe NASA did some studies on different plants and some plants, some indoor plants have been shown that they they can uh, help absorb or break down certain uh indoor air pollutants so yeah yeah there, there's there's plants have a lot of benefits like that um so yeah the, the more you look into it the, the more you information you'll find is out there and for me personally i love flowers so for me to just have a just a uh, pot of fresh cut flowers or a plant that blossoms and produces flowers, just to have that in my room, instantaneously, it boosts my mood. It makes me feel good. I'm happier, you know, I feel more calmer. I feel like, you know, everything is okay. No matter if I had a rough day or things, you know, feel like it's kind of uh, somber. But the minute that I look at the beautiful flowers and I go and I smell them, I mean, it just kind of pick up my spirit and it makes me feel good. So I know per, on a personal level, the nature of plants and how they can affect me. You know, they're very calming and soothing and they're aesthetically beautiful. So that makes me feel beautiful. That makes me feel good and special as well. So on a societal level, now let's go to the community level. How do you think the community can incorporate plants, you know, into the community space where that can actually help better the environment, not just the physical environment, but the mindset, you know, the attitude. I mean, even the crime rate, uh, you know, can you give us a little more information about that? Yeah, yeah, there's, um, there's, a, there's a number of ways that a community or plants can be incorporated into a community. Um, one or the most easiest uh, one is well, not necessarily most easiest, but the one that, that people start with most often is um, just having some type of either green space, so just like a park where there's grass and trees and where people can just have fun and be surrounded by plants and nature. So there's that. Most communities do have some type of park or green space where that can happen. Another is um, community gardens. That's a great way. Um, usually with a community garden, some the, or the community or an organization or an individual within a community will find 
either a, an empty lot or a vacant piece of land or may use some land that they own and they'll create some um, spaces that the different community members can come and just rent on a seasonal or annual basis to grow uh, different fruits and vegetables. So those those are two of probably the the two two ways that a community can um, or community kind of works does something to bring plants into their immediate environment. Uh, another one, which is probably a little bit higher level, is um, the community. You know, they speak to their representatives and they let them know, like, hey, you know, either plants are important or they they want to make sure that their the infrastructure in the area is designed in a way that's both uh, beautiful and functional. And there's something called green infrastructure, where it's basically engineered natural systems that incorporate so when i say engineered natural systems think um you know plant or think a system so so, something that performs some type of function but it has plants as a part of it so um communities will ask their uh, representatives or let their representatives know that they you know want more green spaces or plants in, in their um their community and those community representatives then they work with you know the urban design and planning departments and they you know in order to solve certain problems they, they implement green infrastructure so that that creates um, more that brings more plants into the community and then they also can set aside funding not only for the green infrastructure but for either more green spaces or just other ways to bring plants into the community for the benefit of everyone all right thank you for that response all right now let's talk about how since we're talking about community how can the schools incorporate more plant awareness or how they can introduce plants into the school environment or even teach the students about plants and the importance of plants so talk about the schools and their role in bringing in plants and integrating plants into the school system um, with schools, I'm so that I'm not in the education field, but I would say with you know with children, the best way to learn from you know what I've seen is to to have them do stuff. You know, so if they can, you know, if they get get opportunity to you know grow a plant from seed and, and watch it and see it, and then hopefully you know they're growing something uh something edible or something that smells nice or something that they can engage with in multiple ways so i would say that's that's probably the best way they can they can get started if they can't do that um with you know within the school then partner with organizations that can give the children uh opportunities to get out and be in nature and learn about it and interact and learn learn the importance of it and learn how it impacts and connects with their lives and learn how that they can engage with it in a way that empowers them and their communities. Cause I think that was the most uh, impactful thing for me was when I realized, Hey, I can, you know, growing up in, in the city in uh, Miami, uh, you know, as a youth, it's like, you almost feel like you don't really, you're not really in control of much. Cause there's so many other things going around, going on. But when I learned that I could 
I can shape my environment for the better that I can, if I plant these plants, then I can attract butterflies. If I plant these plants, then I can uh, attract birds. If I plant these plants, I can grow food or medicine for myself and my family. That's a very empowering and uplifting thing. So I think making sure that the, you know, the children are engaging and learning with plants, learning about plants um, on multiple levels that's probably the best way because that's another thing you can do is you know for the children that are that are interested in being entrepreneurs they can you know build a business around plants either the process of growing them the planting them or um, using them for something so there's there's so many different ways to engage with plants and learn about them and I think if uh, schools you know teach it that way and use it as kind of like also use it as a opportunity to teach other lessons too then i think that's that's probably a good way to start um with getting children engaged and involved now the other thing i think that would be helpful if we start having different community organizations because since the school system itself may not be willing to implement these programs if we have local organizations that goes into the school and they're teaching the children about plants or they're giving the school plants to put inside the classroom. So the, the children are, you know, surrounded by the plants. It could be just two or three plants in each classroom. And the fact that the plant is there and the teacher just bring it to their awareness, look at this plant and how it's growing and, and ask the, does the students to write about how they feel about the plants and you know, their interaction with the plants, just the fact that they even are aware the plant is there. So I think that if we have local uh, organizations that get into that type of business, so to speak, and um, introduce that into the school system, then, you know, it will be a way for the students to become more aware of the plants and how to integrate them to be part of their lives, or even give them a plant for them to take home. You know, for the ones that may be curious about that, let them take the plant home and have different type of uh, community uh, settings where they can give plants or have lectures or have workshops about plants and the importance of the plants. Um, one more question is about that before we move on. How about the corporate world? You know, businesses, do you think businesses should do more incorporating plants into the, the, the work environment, the physical work environment? Um, I don't know too much about that. I would say probably, yeah. Yeah, because just having plants, like we talked about earlier, having plants, you know, in your immediate surroundings, it, it just has different benefits in terms of um, just calming people down, um, helping them to be, helping them um, concentrate a little bit better. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure, I think it's a good idea. And I'm sure that there's research or studies out there that have looked at that that can go into more detail about it. But yeah, I think that's something that, well, at least where I work, there's there's plants indoors. Um, I think that's something that um, most most businesses probably do. Or if an employee or somebody wants to bring a plant and you know keep it alive, they're not opposed to it. So. All right. So now let's talk about the spiritual components of plants. I'm not sure how much you know about that, but I just want to put it out there that a lot of people who are into spiritual practices, 
they utilize the plants. You know, they, they tap into the plant in order for them to neutralize negative energy. Are you familiar with the spiritual use of plants? I, I know a little bit. Um, I know that definitely there's just from a little bit of research or the research I've done into plants and what I've learned through that. Um, definitely a lot of the, the plants that are from, you know, di- different parts of the world, a lot of the indigenous um, people and communities um, of where these plants grow, they, they have a certain, they, you know, they have different types of relationships with these plants. And with um, certain plants, yeah, they're used for different um, religious or spiritual practices. I, I don't know that much about it, but I know that it exists. I know that people use them that way. Uh, that's something that I'm in the process of learning more about. Okay, because I've heard many stories of people, you know, when they are stressed out or when they've gone through some traumatic experience, in order for them to ground themselves, in order for them just to kind of recuperate or start the healing process, some of them will get more into contact with plants, whether they physically touch the plants or whether they bathe with the plants, they put the the plants in the water and they take a, a long bath and the physical properties from the plants kind of help them relax and calm down and also help them with their spiritual, you know, detoxification. Because a lot of times they believe that they accumulate a lot of negative energy. And because of the negative energy, there's a dis-ease state. They're off balance and the plants help them to pretty much realign themselves. So plants have a spiritual usage as well as a physical. So let's talk about medicine, how plants, you mentioned some indigenous people using the plants. You know, plants have been used for medicine for centuries, forever, you know, for as long as the earth has been around, people have been using plants for medicine. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. So with, I'm not, again, that's not something that I'm an expert on. But I know, you know, from the, the research that I've done, um, different plants contain um, just different uh, chemical components that just have um, beneficial um, effects on our bodies. So that goes that I know that's a very general statement, but some examples are, you know, plants have vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, all those things that are beneficial to our body um they have um different specific chemical compounds that can either help with um pain relief that can be antibacterial antifungal antiviral um and that help with um reduce inflammation so yeah yeah there's a lot of different plants out there that have medicinal properties um and the, the, I would say the tricky part about that is that's, that's, you just have to have, you have, to, that's something where before I would try it on my own or try to use um, a plant to kind of like be my medicine to treat a particular problem, I would definitely consult with a, you know, somebody who's experienced in that. Um, like a herbalist? Your doctor. Yes, your doctor and an herbalist. Um, because with preparing the plants to be used as medicine, you know, sometimes it's not as simple as just picking it up and eating it. Sometimes it has to be 
either prepared a certain way or it's a specific part of the plant that's harvested in a specific way. So there's a, there's, that, there's, that's, it's an art form and a science at the same time. Um, and, but it, yeah, so it's a really interesting field and, or aspect of working with plants. And for the people that are interested in it, I would definitely encourage them to, to learn more about it. And just to add to what you're saying, that they say that for every pharmaceutical prescription or drug, there's an equivalent plant that can do exactly the same thing. You know, for the people who are into the herbs, into using the plants as medicine, and this is something that's, again, that's been practiced for centuries, if not thousands of years. Indigenous people all over the world, you have African people, you have Indian people, Asian people, all over the world, they've been using the plants for millions, if not hundreds of thousands of years, you know, just to, to um, deal with this ease state for physical illness as well as mental, okay? They know exactly what to use, how much to use, and and what to do to prepare it, as you said, which is very important because it's not as simple as just walking outside and, and getting a leaf and, and uh, boiling it or eating it. You know, so, you know, you have to know exactly what you're doing. So it's very important that people get the correct information or like you just said, one, we want to emphasize on that, you know, because you have to know what you're doing because you could literally poison yourself or you can create a serious medical problem if you don't know what you're doing. So just because it's a plant, it's natural, it's healthy, doesn't mean that you should be using it for what ailment you're trying to treat. So you have to know what you're doing. All right, so any other statements you want to make before I go on to uh, my next questions about plants? Uh, no, I think we, I think I've said everything. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. All right, the other question I wanted to ask was the current deforestation that's going on globally. Now, a lot of plant species are being extinct. So can you give us more information about that? And because these plants are being extinct, I mean, what is the ramification of that? What are the consequences of that? So, so yeah, there's, because of the, um, I guess the, the, our current uh, society slash economy um, that it has resulted in, in, in addition to some other um, things, yeah, we're currently cutting down large chunks of forest all over the world. Uh, and as a, as a result of that, because we're cutting down these forests, we're, you're destroying the, the habitat or the environment that other, that other plant species and animal species and insects and all other life forms need to, to exist. So the, the more that happens or the more uh, deforestation happens, the less habitat um, that's available is, is out there for these plants and animals. And as a result, then less of them are less, their population or the amount of uh, plants or animals that exist just that, that depend on those forests decreases over time. Uh, and when a plant or an animal goes extinct, that means you know it, that population is no longer no longer around. And that's it's 
it's it's a very sad thing because with every plant animal or organism has so much one it, it contributes to the ecosystem that it's immediate ecosystem and the immediate surrounding and then it plays a part in the larger ecosystem um so when they go extinct then that makes the that ecosystem less resilient uh, and more likely to collapse and when an ecosystem collapses the different benefits and services that that ecosystem provides such as clean water uh, um, oxygen clean air um, flood mitigation um, you know in places where there's hills the, the forest help control um, or reduce like erosion where it has mudslides so when an ecosystem collapses you lose all the benefits that the ecosystem provides or you lose most of them uh, and then so the, the quality of uh, the quality of life for the people that live around those ecosystems or those those collapsed ecosystems or that that live um, downstream of those ecosystems is, is negatively impacted so when a forest is cut away then usually the surrounding or a nearby river that, that's less water that goes into the aquifer to recharge the rivers and the wells and so that's less water fresh water available for people to drink that's and that's just one example but yeah it just it has a, a cascading effect that just negatively affects every living thing around it so, so it's like a chain reaction definitely... it's like a chain reaction right exactly exactly and um we've all for a long time um we've been aware of the the, the problems of deforestation and for for a long time people have been working to to combat combat deforestation or um to restore different damaged ecosystems or to reforest certain areas so there's organizations um national and international that have made that their mission some of those organizations are for profit some of those organizations are not for profit um uh, one organization that comes to mind uh is the i think it's called the green belt movement it's an organization that was started by uh, a, a professor in i can't remember which country in africa but the goal of the organization is to um create to basically create a continuous forest of trees from one one coast of the, the continent of africa to the other and i think it's right in the area that's just like below the sahara so there, yeah there's different organizations out there that are that are um helping to restore these ecosystems to um, replant these forests and they're doing it in a way where they're empowering people on a local level so they're giving them good paying jobs and teaching them about how to grow plants and how to um the different ways they can make a living off of plants whether that's you know selling the fruits or using them for medicine or or other things and that that kind of, that kind of starts this positive feedback loop where the the more the forest or the ecosystems are restored then you know the more that has a positive the more the, their local environment improves so the conditions so usually that improves the water quality in the local water bodies and improves the quality the air quality improves the amount of if people are fishing then or they rely on fish or um, you know animals that that rely on the forest for food then they have more food available 
and it just it, it's, it creates this beautiful positive cycle and then those people then teach their children about it and then you know it, it gets built upon so so it's deforestation is definitely an issue but thankfully you know there's there's people out there and organizations out there that are working and finding creative mutually beneficial solutions to the problem that are that they're able to scale it up to all right, you just mentioned something earlier. You said about the floods. So uh, the deforestation, is it eroding the soil as well? I mean, when there's excessive rain, since there's no plants, what happens? Yeah, plants are they're, they're great at stabilizing the soil and holding it in place. And they're great at um, slowing the water so when it rains, they plants um, on the surface of the plants, and they, you know, when the water hits the, the plants, it slows down the water, and that water then slowly goes into to the soil, which is held together by um, the, you know, all of their roots. But when those plants die or are cleared or removed, then when it rains, that water hits the soil directly with all that energy and. If there's no roots in the soil to hold it in place, then that that, that soil can then be moved by the wa- by the the water downhill, and then that 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 um that eroded that um that soil that's then moved it, it usually goes to the nearest surface water body, so like a river or a lake, and then it contaminates that that lake. So it it negatively impacts the water quality either because of like what's in the soil chemically or what's um, this, having the soil come into the water it decreases like the visibility in the water which affects the um, negatively affects the animals and plants in the water so so yeah it, it, okay so definitely plants are a vital part of our planetary ecosystem they're absolutely necessary and we need to protect our plant environment now let's talk about gardening very briefly all right you said that you started a garden in your mom's house you know how was that project like you know what did it entail what did you have to get you know how did you know what plants to bring together because i know you can't just mix a bunch of plants together because they may not be able to live in harmony so tell us a little bit about that project so that project started with um, it started with me just wanting to uh, beautify the landscape at my mother's house. I just wanted to you know create create a beautiful space for her. Uh, so once I started learning about native plants, I learned that for uh, native plants are often uh, very well adapted to the conditions that occur you know in the areas where they're native to. So that means they if you put them in conditions that they normally grow in, then they generally require less water, um, less fertilizer, and just less maintenance to grow. So I started, I decided I wanted to start with, um, or to create a butterfly garden using native plants. Um, and then, so that, as, as I, I started, you know, growing plants from seed, um, I started with just, you know, some you know, small, small plants that I bought. Um, either from specific nurseries that sold Florida native plants or that I got from friends. 
And I just, you know, started with a couple plants. Uh, some of them, I planted them at my mom's house. Some of them survived, some of them didn't. And then I just continued to learn and just test things out. I would say most of the plants that I planted survived because um, I took the time to do the research in advance. And I chose plants that were that were well adapted to like extreme heat because it gets hot in the city, in, you know, in Miami. Um, I also chose a lot of plants that were adapted to, uh, that, it, that didn't need that much water. And then since I wanted it to be a butterfly garden, I chose plants that attracted butterflies either through the flowers or the fact that the, the butterflies needed those plants to reproduce or to complete their life cycle. So it started with that, and then as I learned more about different types of plants, such as, you know, um, edible plants, so I, I started incorporating some fruit trees. As I, started, as I started learning about permaculture and how you can design self-sustaining or self-sufficient landscapes or ecosystems, then I started to apply the ethics and the principles that I learned from permaculture to create a self-sufficient garden at my mom's house so that that garden um that garden contains not well let me backtrack a little bit so with permaculture it's based on um three it's, it's based on a set of ethics and principles so I, I don't remember all the principles off the top of my head but the ethics guide everything you do and the permaculture the ethics of permaculture are um care for the earth care for people and fair share so using those ethics and the, the principles of permaculture i was able to kind of create like i said a self-sustaining landscape by choosing plants and mixing and putting them in together in ways that were true to the, those ethics and then also the the principles that are based that are that permaculture is based on so at the current state of the landscape is it's Basically, it's self-sufficient or requires minimal input or effort, and it provides food for not only uh, the birds, the butterflies, and bees, but also for my mother that lives there. Now, I've seen some of your work. So your mom's yard is not the only project that you've completed. Tell us very briefly about the two other projects that you are currently working on. You know, I mean, I definitely love your work. You know, I, I saw the work that you did at your mom's house and the yard is amazing. You know, the combination of plants and trees, you know, they seem to complement each other in terms of, you know, feeding each other. Just, just very brief, how does that work? You know, the fact that you have plants that are compatible because you can actually put plants together that are not compatible. So how did you know what plants are compatible and what plants weren't compatible? So, to, so to, to answer the, the second part of that question first, I, I knew that through, you know, I did as much research as I could about the different plant species in terms of their size, in terms of how fast they grew, in terms of what type of conditions that they like to grow in. And I tried to plant plants that required the same thing or had similar uh, growing requirements and had similar growth rates I tried to plant them together, basically, so that um, one no plant like overtakes the another, or that they don't they kind of grow in harmony. 
Um, so that yeah, so that's 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 how I would respond to that. The second part of your question, the first part of your question, I have two other landscape projects that I'm working on. Uh, one is at a friend's house, and that one um, is basically it's it has three major components. One is a, a fruit tree area that's kind of mixed of a mix of uh, subtropical and tropical uh, fruit trees. So we chose so, you know fruit trees based on what they they like to eat and also the ones that would do well in um, the environment or do well in the conditions in her landscape. Uh, so that way, it does, again, it doesn't require that much maintenance. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is we have like a vegetable bed area where we grow different um, annual and perennial vegetables. So that's um, in the process of building like raised vegetable beds. And then the, the third part of it is we have um, basically a, a wildlife habitat area where we just have nothing but or mainly native plants that attract and support different types of birds and uh, insects. So it support that, that that's a key component because attracting those beneficial um, birds and insects into your garden helps by, um, they pollinate your fruit trees and they pollinate your fruits and vegetables. And then they also help keep down the pests. So when you have different um, insects come in, then some of them are pests and then some of them are predators of those pests. So it kind of creates a balance. And then the last part of that, that project is I have a flower, we have like a flower bed area where my friend, she uses some of the flowers and kind of like her spiritual practices. So we have that area specifically for her. And then the, the second landscape I'm working on is where I live. Uh, that's, that's again, um, kind of like a self-sufficient or self-sustaining landscape that focuses on integrating or providing habitat and food for um, birds and different insects, while also providing food for uh, me and the other people that I live with. So, well, it's I have at least six or seven different types of fruit trees, mainly dwarf fruit trees, since it's in a, it's a, it's in my the properties in the city, so we don't have that much space. And then, um, so on, on short term, my goal is to grow a hundred percent of my leafy veg vegetables that I eat. So, yep, that's pretty much it. All right, thank you so much for telling us about your projects that you're working on right now. And I know that you're going to do a great job because I've already seen your work. Now, very briefly, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, just in terms of the integrating the plants into our lives. Uh, I'm just going to make a comment. I just want you to briefly tell me what you think about that. I think that it's very important for us to start incorporating the plants into our healing environments. Healing environments meaning that people who are in the hospital, if they're not allergic you know, to certain plants, that certain plants can be put in the hospital, they can have healing effects. People who are in uh, rehab centers who are going through rehabilitation because of a drug or alcohol addiction, I think we should kind of incorporate the plants in that environment. And also people who are doing time in prison, you know, prison being a, supposed to be a rehabilitation place. So some of the, the, the inmates or the felons could actually 
get more involved with plants and that could be very helpful in their rehabilitation whether they do have mental health issues or whether they had a drug and alcohol problem in the past you know i think just incorporating plants into that environment would definitely be very therapeutic what do you briefly think about that i think that's a great idea i think that's where the 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 overall trend is is moving um there's different organizations um that are helping uh hospitals grow, either grow their own food uh directly or not all of it but grow a portion of it or um through you know raised vegetable beds or having gardens you know within the hospital or they have their forming partnerships with them to provide you know fresh fruits and vegetables or uh whole grains to their patients um in a very in a cost effectively uh in terms of prisons and uh rehab centers and mental health centers i don't know as much about that but i but i i'm i'm pretty sure that there are organizations that are working on that too i know it's something that's been done in the past and i think as we kind of shift our view of um those facilities and the purpose of them from just to, um to a perspective of really addressing the root issues then they'll they're starting to realize how plants can play a part in um achieving those achieve addressing those those issues within those people so all right jabari lee i am so appreciative and grateful to have you on ujima spirit podcast it has been a wonderful experience you have given us a better insight on how to integrate plants into our lives plants are beneficial to us on so many levels physically emotionally mentally spiritually in terms of medicine in terms of helping us relax and helping us learn to be more holistic so people who are also victims of any trauma whether it be natural disaster whether it be man made or whether it be accidents or violent uh, crimes rape any type of traumatic experience okay if they incorporate plants into their lives like you said just going to a park that could be part of their therapeutic healing if they're going just to sit in a garden just like you said you created a garden for your mom i'm sure when she needs to de-stress she goes out in the garden and sit down and watch the beautiful butterflies and the bumblebees and the dragonflies and all the other insects that come to this beautiful environment that you created for her. Again, Jabari Lee, thank you so much for joining us at Ujima Spirit Podcast. Thank you, Jabari. Thank you, Tika. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye.